0: You know, my mom asked me that question. My mom asked me that question. How did it feel? That's a good question. You know what? Um, you you got to embrace it. You know, I, even when I was away from Nebraska, I'm always going to love Nebraska. And, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be here. But at the end of the day, I understand it's a business. And the business is to win. And I understand that. You know, they're not going to keep me here because I played at Nebraska. They're going to keep me here because I can win. But, listen, I'm loving it. I'm loving being back. Um, reuniting with a lot of old friends. But I think, you know, I think, you know, I like the way things are right now. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob.
1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers,
2: and I'm with Honky. Redcast Nation has grown to over seventeen thousand followers, and I just want to thank you all for the support over these five years. Go big red.
1: Five years, it's all been, huh? I'll be Man, doing. It's Glorious. <laughs> uh, also with Boomer.
3: Well, I'd just like to proudly announce that after round one of the AFL, uh, St. Kilda, North Melbourne, and Honky's own Richmond Tigers all uh, lost the first round. So our sports fandom <laughs> is proceeding as as it, as always. So, hurrah everyone. Uh,
1: yeah, it's uh, on par for all of our sports teams, <laughs> it feels like. covers uh, Also with Redcast, Rob.
4: Well, guys, after uh, my entire podcasting career, I can't say that, you know, after our interview with SIP last week, I've, n- I've never seen anything like that with and number of people that have listened to us I've, I've just never seen anything like that Nope, not in all my time as a podcaster
1: you've had a very short life as a podcaster rob yeah
4: that that is that is true <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean we have ambitions to be like you know the worldwide wide leader of you know Husker Nebraska football podcasts. And yeah, yeah, maybe we're not that far away. I don't know for certain hockey, huh? uh, considering we have 17,000 followers. Is that what you just said?
2: Yeah. Well, at least within Redcast Nation, social media, probably a couple of duplicates in there. But, uh, you know, we don't we don't get into that. Well, I have yeah,
4: six yeah. different Twitter accounts, four different Facebook accounts. <laughs> Sometimes I have an entire Twitter conversation with myself with four different accounts, so it's it's awesome. That, that
1: explains uh, a lot, be you honest know, with you. Yeah, it really yeah, does. Yeah. Well, nobody else will um, listen to me. Well, uh, Hockey, I know that uh, you know we had a great interview there last week with Stephen Stephen M. Sipple, excuse me, uh, the Lincoln Journal Star, and uh, we've got another interview coming up this week, right?
2: Yeah, uh, tomorrow night, mark calendars, Redcasters at eight thirty. We will be talking with Tyler Kai, Associate Athletic Director, of Leadership Gifts and capital projects. And so there'll be some, you know, the, the go big project going on on the North side of the stadium and everything. There's a, a lot going on right now. And uh, of course, Rob, as usual, our red or our Redcast cast uh, promo code.
4: Oh yeah. So if you're on, uh, if you go to herd app media and, and uh, go to uh, well, like, if you want to subscribe to hail varsity or you want to purchase one of these cool hats or pretty soon, we're going to have some really cool red cast merchandise and, and some stickers available. If you want to order any of that, you go into uh, a and, and uh, enter redcast at checkout and you'll receive $10 off the first year of your subscription to hail varsity. But then, like I said, go in there and, buy up all of our merch for us. I know a couple of things have actually already sold out. So at least that's what it says on the site. I, I'm not quite sure exactly what that means, but it's like sold those out.
1: Hats that, like the one you're wearing right now is going... Going fast.
4: Well, you know, I mean, Honky bought one, and so did I. So,
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah, three of your There's birds. They had production run of five, so it's
4: called it's called par levels, Dave. You don't want to over order anything because you don't want to just be sitting. Over, you're the
1: uh, economist here. Like it's a scarcity. That's a that's a thing, right? Or like, yeah, it's
3: kind of like diamonds. You know, the De Beers diamond cartel kind of keeps a artificial scarcity to make them. Make a bigger demand than there actually should be for them. So, yeah, people right. are snapping them up, you know, every, every chance they get. Keeps that price high, so.
1: Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, all right, Honk. Well, I, I think we're going to talk a little football, a little basketball, and baseball. But let's start with some scarlet-colored glasses.
2: Yeah, well, we, we did the Tweets of the Week, and uh, today was uh, media day for practice. And they're back after having the their week off for spring break. And so we have a couple different tweets here. One from Stephen M. Sibyl, a good friend of the RedCast that was on last week. The Clubhouse leaders in Nebraska's punt return competition this spring are Trey Palmer, Tommy Hill, and Brody Belt. Said Brody's a natural punt returner. He's a natural kickoff returner, or kick returner, and an off returner. I really like where those those three guys are at, Bill Bush said. And, and Boomer is our special teams coordinator, so he can talk about uh, what an off-returner is in a little bit. Um, Hale Varsity had one on punter Brian Bushini uh, talking about kicking outside on Tuesday, and it was really cold and windy today. And Bush talked about how that's uh, helpful to get him training in those kind of conditions. And then uh, last but not least, Brian Christopherson wrote about a guy who keeps coming up uh, from the QB, from the special teams, and from the wide receivers coach is Brody Belt. Brody's a football player.
0: Brody's Brody's probably the best football player on this team. You know, when it's, when y'all we all you talk about football player, I think he's a he's a football player. He's smart. He's got high football IQ. I think he um, he can move. He can play Z. He can play R. He can play running back. He can do a lot of things. He can play special teams. So he brings a lot to the table. And I think you know we we're excited to have Brody on our team. You know, so um, you know I think the the sky's the limit for Brody.
2: So I guess maybe you know we'll start with that here. You know, the they're back at practice again. Uh, From those tweets there, uh, Dave, I'll I'll start with you here and I'll show them again. Anything, you know, kind of come off the the page for you that that's uh, interesting?
1: Well, apparently it's Brody Belt. I mean, he's he's coming right off the assembly line uh, being a a real football player. Uh, We don't know exactly what that means compared to the rest of the hundred and some guys out there i hope they're all football players but boomer i mean maybe maybe you could um elaborate on the off returner i'm guessing maybe that's where we only have like 10 guys on the field and he's off the field i don't know
3: yeah that'd that'd be far too common with our special teams for a scenario like that (laughs) the last year oh that's the off returner Yeah. (laughs) yeah no what essentially in a nutshell the off returner is when you have the two guys backfielding the ball you've got the one who's primarily going to be the focus to receive the ball. If you know which direction the kicker is going to kick it, which also isn't a guarantee for us on special teams, but the offer turner is the other guy back there and his job is to make sure that the, the, the kick is fielded cleanly. And then, you know, to let the the upper guys know where they need to go, and his job is to get there and make that you know first initial kind of you know lead the way and make that big key block to kind of spring everything out there for the actual guy that fields the ball and catches it. And it's essentially yeah. So it's a very important part of the game. So
1: especially in the kickoff return to
3: have a good eye, know where the ball is, and know where you need to make the block. So
1: gotcha. So the off returner is your second best kick returner.
3: Doesn't necessarily have to be in a kick returner. It's just uh, yeah, you're the guy who can block really essentially. So. Yeah. Right or at least know where he's supposed to be standing and where everyone's supposed to be anyway, which again hasn't been a guarantee for us. So, so well, did like
2: Michigan State have an off punt returner that caught it and returned it against us? Or is this yeah, only probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, well, I mean, you said
4: it. you said we're not quite sure always when the where the other team is going to kick it, but in our defense, we don't always even know where we're going to kick it. So
1: <laughs> that's very. That's going to change this year, Rob. It, yeah. Let's. Well, you know.
2: and Bush today, you know, had a chance to talk quite a bit about. You know, cool just you some of his, it, uh, some of his philosophy on it. And look, I mean, I love what he talked about. You know, it was a, it was a crappy day here in Lincoln. It was cold. It was rainy. It was windy. And he brought up kind of like a, how, how uh, golfers, professional golfers, when it's a crappy day out like that, they get out onto the link so that they can practice in those kinds of conditions. And he said the basically the same thing here, we're going to practice, we're going to kick and wind and, and rain. And he wanted to get that team out there today. And, and Bashimi again, kicking the ball and hitting the, the roof. I mean, there seems like we we have something different with our punter this year that we haven't had in previous years. And Boomer, you've hit on this a, a number of times over the last five years that special teams kind of is important. So, uh, you know, I'll take that as a, as a net positive, at least through a couple of weeks of spring.
3: Yeah, at least we seem to be once again saying we're doing the right things. So let's let's hope would actually translate to something on the field, but yeah, I think we've all known, you know, any of our loyal podcast listeners over, was it five years now, Honky? I think hopefully they, if they've learned anything, special teams is kind of important here and there. So, you know, special teams folks. So let's see if it translates to something this year. So, you
1: know, that reminds me of uh, a story when the um, Jerry world opened up for the Cowboys, you know, Mm -hmm. 2008 or so I was down there at the time. And uh, one of the visiting, punters during a preseason game hit the scoreboard um, and they're like, Oh my goodness, this is a disaster. They put the scoreboard too low. This is always going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. Um, have you, have you heard of a a punt getting, you know, knocked down by the scoreboard at Cowboy stadium since? No, but I think Alex Henry even hit it uh, when,
2: during one of the big 12 title games.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I think it's-, it, it's quite possible. It's usually by an intent. Yeah, it's not necessarily a good roof. kick. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I want uh Bushimi to actually practice like uh coffin corner kicks, for example, would be more exciting to hear mm-hmm. than he's hitting the roof because that means mm-hmm. he's practicing that opposed to kicking the ball really high.
2: Yeah, and Bush actually referred to net yardage and what it would take to get really good net yardage is kicking it, not out kicking your coverage. It's he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily want to see a guy kicking it 60 yards just for the sake of it and having a return with 20 yards open around him. I mean, he'd rather have it be a 45-yard kick with the Gunners right on him. So, uh, you know, again, there's just it was hearing a lot more philosophy there from him today than maybe I've heard the last couple times and he's, you know, this is a big deal. Special teams is a big deal right now and and I'm buying into it, okay? Um, the other tweets of the week for the the football uh, go outside of uh just this team of outside of Nebraska, but uh, for one, we always talk about in state recruiting. There's Malachi Coleman, and he has uh, an offer now from the defending national champ. So, I mean, his offer lists it's if, a big if deal. he's got Georgia, it's going to be anyone, right? I mean, anybody can be going after him. I still like our chances. I still, I'm so appreciative and love having Mickey Joseph here. And I think that's going to make a huge difference for us. But, uh, yeah, that list is only going to grow for him. And so he's, he's an important one for us. Um, and then the other tweets have to deal with NIL. And we talked quite a bit about that last week with uh, Simple. And the first one was uh, the competition for NIL. And well, this is from us. <laughs> the competition for NIL is heating up across the college landscape. Case in point, on Wednesday, Urban Meyer was announced as the newest board member of the foundation, an organization aimed at helping Ohio State athletes land, name, image, and likeness deals. And then Big Game Boomer uh, sent out one saying Tennessee just got a top prospect for $8 million that's more than the entire coaching staff makes. It won't be long before you have an NIL salary cap in college football. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. And we've had tweet, you know, text discussions amongst our group about, about that. There's a lot of things that go into it, but it, what's interesting is just how big of a, a, a change cataclysmic change really has happened in less than a year since it went into effect. And, uh, one of the things that sipple talked about last week dave and i thought this was really interesting i'm going to play the the audio from it is that he talked about how trev has even told him that he's kind of prepping for a day where where nil might even get brought in house let's go let's play that right here
0: now here's the big thing here's the like you know i've talked to trev about this stuff at length trev alberts um what's what's really interesting to me is where this is probably going i mean there's pending litigation You'd have to Google it, but I think where it's probably three years away, where the, where there will be, you know, it'll it'll be more uniform because the schools will be paying the money. Um, that's I I don't think we're too too long from that happening, hmm. too far from that happening. I'd say three or four years. Then it's gonna be it's gonna get really strange. It's I think it'll be even more strange in some ways because there's there's a school of thought that it could be just football that's paying players Mm. and the rest of this, the rest of the sports wouldn't Um, that's one school of thought. But what Trev's gearing up for is to make, I mean, he's making a lot of financial decisions within the athletic department right now that are geared toward the eventuality of the school paying the players. So he, so he's, his whole line of thinking is if this comes to pass, which it could, then they better have, I don't know. I'd I'd hate to, I almost hate to put a number on, but I'd say in the 40 to $50 million range, ready to roll. Um, That's a lot. That's a significant amount of money.
2: Dave, I know our eyes, both of our eyes went wide open. As he said that and the eyebrows go up, it's like 40 to 50 million, but also just the fact that that's that, you know, look, there's no guarantee. I don't know that that's what's going to happen, but at least there's they're prepping for that. Do you, and can you see that happening in four or five years, like Sip was saying?
1: well i think sip really hit the nail in the head there about you know it being football only i mean in that scenario football is breaking off from the ncaa at least from a power five you know structure standpoint i mean i, I don't know how else you get to that point um and that 45 to 50 million is a, a huge number um you know you have a had a tweet up there that i'm sure you'll get to about tennessee paying eight million potentially for their five-star quarterback and there's an article i think on the athletic uh talking about how their their um foundation um right their uh, collective um is trying to build up a war chest of 25 to 30 million annually to, to oh, recruit with right um, that's happening already so i guess that number doesn't sound so outlandish once you start to actually roll it into it, um, a university structure the bigger question or bigger questions really actually how that all happens. Right. Because I mean, it just can't, I don't know how it functions today like that. I mean, it, it could get there. It feels like it might take a little bit longer than three years, but.
2: Well, yeah. Boomer, Boomer, we just need some guidance from the NCA on this on how to set that up and everything will work just fine. Right.
3: Well, sure. Absolutely. And they've been so uh, proactive and forthcoming with ideas and guidance you know, to start with this whole thing, which is how we <laughs> ended up with NIL the way it up, is. Hope, really? But, yeah. I, I think Dave's probably hit it right on the head that, you know, if and when this does happen, kind of the way Simple suggests, is that it is going to be a scenario where football has separated itself from the rest of the sports because I, it's just you don't see how you could do this with all the other sports. And then, like you said, the Power Fives may just have to do this separately. We talked about it with Simple. I mean, if you're a UTEP, how do you compete with this? I mean, you're already behind the eight ball with so much in terms of you know recruiting and facilities and coachings and just that arms race in general. How does it? How do you even? You're not even on the same field anymore when it, when it comes to now we're yeah. spending, you know, you 30 to the, 40 to 50 to million money. dollars recruiting players. Yeah, it's just you're playing a different game at this point. I mean, this is, you know, essentially minor league pro ball at that point is what it is. Uh, this is it's totally different. And mm-hmm. I think what you might end up saying is something like, you know, maybe. Do you start considering the football players' employees of the university? That's how something like this could yeah, could go, right. and then it's it opens up its own questions of you know, employees. insurance and all those other things, and unionization, and but that's where you could get the the limits and the salary caps and so on and so yeah. forth and the sport. You can't because, get a salary you know, cap
1: today. Yeah, right now
3: you can't have one; just the nature of it so decentralized. But if you did say, "All right, the football team are now employees yeah. of the university," we all agree we're going to have this kind of structure. That's where you start seeing some of those things. I think so.
2: Yeah, that was producer Skip's point, I think, in one of those texts was that, you know, they they can't unionize right now. So there's no collective bargaining agreements or anything. They they can just go out and NIL, it's completely Wild West right now. But, you know, the thought of football being taken outside of the NCAA, isn't that crazy of a thought right now? Because think about what's happened in the last couple of years with COVID. Um, We've already learned what the NCAA has control and not control over. They don't control the bowls. They don't control scheduling and they don't control the playoff. So, when they came in and shut down March Madness, they did that because the NCAA owns that. When they came in and shut down College World Series because of COVID, they owned that. They couldn't do that when it came to football. Football already was outside the NCAA's purview when when it came to that. And they just, you know, it was up to each individual conference for how you wanted to schedule or don't schedule your games. So, you know, you start to put some dots together here. I mean, it, it wouldn't be crazy to think that that could happen. Now, again, there's how. The how is a big thing. I don't know how you do that, and that's way above my pay grade. But it was just interesting, I thought, when Sip said that. And, uh, um, and you know, it's something to keep an eye on, I think, because th- these numbers, it, w- the $8 million for one guy, the $25 million a year, Dave, that The Athletic wrote about, those numbers aren't going to sound crazy in a couple months. You know, Dave yeah, or simple yeah. last week was telling you that, you know, Nebraska is far ahead in the NIL game. And I, I true, I think we are, but I, I don't think it'll take long for other teams to catch up either. And there's going to be money thrown around. No, Well, there's uh,
4: what 36 collectives amongst 29 schools, I think is what the number I saw on yeah, that article about the, like that. about the uh Tennessee player there. Um And the 8 million is spread out actually through his junior year. So it's closer to like, what mm. is that? Like a, uh, I, 2.5 I can't a even, year. two point yeah two point five a year yeah. and and plus there was like some kind of like a signing bonus as well I think that was included in that which my lord I mean this is he's a high school kid
1: best quarterback in the class
4: yeah and, star, but I mean overall,
1: but he's I mean what so, do you think Arch so, Manning's gonna get if this guy just got eight million honk I mean Arch Manning will literally have a you
2: know, I'm- he'll get his own Papa John's franchise. I mean, this is—he's probably—he's probably—he's probably, probably, probably going to start getting paid in like what? How old is he now?
1: He'll—he'll yeah. he'll be a senior in football this year in high school. Yeah, so So, do you, and, so is he
4: going to sign a deal now?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, where's? Guy.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's. It's like to the point, it's like to the point now where, you know, you're going to see some of these kids a lot like the ones that are showing like commitments and like their sophomore, junior year to colleges, right? Like
1: mm-hmm. you're going to
4: start seeing kids in high school walking around and, you know, driving. Brand new NIL cars and, and so yeah.
1: Different states have different rules on that yeah. school-wise. Texas notoriously obviously does not allow their high school players to profit. That's why um, you went to Ohio State. Other states are are different. So, I mean, that could be interesting. Yeah, which is ironic
4: because Texas lets people do everything else. Pretty
3: much. Yeah, we did have a few NIL-related questions while we're here. Uh, First one I just kind of threw up there. Uh, Jeremy Brandt, any chance we can get a big enough NIL deal to get Cam to come back?
1: Which Cam? I mean, yeah, is that Cam... Is that Cam Mack? Is that Cam Taylor Britt? <laughs> you that, choose. I don't know. Just whichever Cam team you Mack. Like.
2: That would be uh, a yeah. good one,
1: Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cam Jurgens, maybe that's Cam, Cam Newton? Newton. He's uh, is uh, he playing right now? He, yeah. he might have some eligibility left. I don't and know. By, well, I, you well you never right. had it to
2: New- begin with, Boomer. Yeah, yeah, Cam Cam Newton had good nil deals back in two thousand nine or whenever it was.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think we can get Cam Jurgens Juer- back, um, as far as I can tell. But hey, you never know.
3: No, probably not. And then uh, a loyal listener, Ken, uh, asked, uh, "Will NIL and the portal shift college football back to being a more regional sport in terms of recruiting? Would and you have a better shot at keeping the
1: 500-mile radius kids in the program?" I don't know. I mean, is the is the dollar worth more in Nebraska than it is in Alabama? What's the exchange rate right now? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, uh, I mean the cost of living's better. Um, I mean, I guess the NIL deals might might be better if they're already locally known from a high school perspective, right? You know, I could see Malachi Mm -hmm. Coleman might be able to draw bigger numbers staying home because he already has name recognition here where in Alabama he's, you know, would just be getting into a bigger you know fishbowl. I mean, I could see that. But, I mean, I think it it, it could be a little bit of both.
4: I think a better question would be is, are we going to – is this going to help us recruiting outside of the 500? You know what I mean? Some of those, like, four and five stars. Yeah, I mean, to your point of – yeah. I, yeah, I, Dave, don't agree with me. That throws
1: me off. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's what SIP was getting at last week. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is going to continue to play out. But, I mean, and, and maybe we're ahead of 90% of the programs. Maybe Tennessee's one of them that might be ahead of us because they're they're trying to have $25 million of... And they'll um, still finish like, third or fourth in their own conference. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Which no, we I are. Mean, I shouldn't talk. I, I shouldn't mean, talk, right. right. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think... I think what Sip's getting at there is that I think we are very active on, you know, trying to have something like this collective, being able to fund mm-hmm. significant recruiting efforts and, and player retainment efforts. And, um, you know, I mean, it might, we might, might not be too far away from seeing a, our first, you know, million dollar signee. I don't, I don't know yet.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, it's different from, uh, you know, trying to bring a coach in here when it comes to the cost of living, like simple said that a lot of these guys that the volleyball players that are getting free housing, I mean, cost of living isn't even really a part of this. If you're free is free, right? I mean, if that's what comes with your NIL deal is you get a car or you get a you get a free place to live. Um I, I don't know that that's really going to affect someone from inside or outside the 500 miles. But I think your point, Dave, about if you're an insider inside the 500 miles and you have a connection already to the state that that might be able to bring you some more money here than it would somewhere else, just because you're, you local name recognition. All right, Jim Cobb, what NIL will, what NIL will do regionally for Nebraska Our big 10 teams nearby Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, who won't have the NIL money to offer that Nebraska has will.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that That seems to be the case right now. let us see if that holds up. As we've you know talked last week about how Wisconsin seemed to been unable to put together a package for Caleb Williams to make him uh, a viable candidate there at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it feels like the the storyline would be that the alumni base and the boosters at Iowa and Minnesota aren't as enamored with this idea as maybe folks in Nebraska are. Um, but all it takes is a couple deep pockets at any of those, um, you know, booster clubs to change that. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I yeah. think that could be the case. Well, yeah, I think every team's gonna not have... really
4: in the recruiting model for any of those schools anyway. I mean, those, those schools literally build their programs off a lot of like, you know, three and four star recruits, right. That,
1: that, they, that stay for three, four years at a time. Right. Like sure. That's, but I that's think their, their point model. here is, is that, I mean, opposed to saying we need to go get five stars across the country or even five stars locally. I mean, this could be simple a simple advantage of let's saying that we are going after the same guy that Wisconsin's going after, or Iowa, or Minnesota, which happens all the time. Yeah. Um. And and we can put together an NIL package for two hundred thousand for this guy for for the next three years, and they can't put together anything. Maybe that makes a difference. Yeah. that's
4: true. Like maybe we could have gotten what's his name, son. Uh, he plays for Iowa now. No, no, that wouldn't have. Happened. <laughs> no.
2: But but, Wisconsin, kind of but Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin has Wisconsin's had some issues getting NIL in place. I think in a place like Iowa, it'll be interesting with a guy like Ferentz as coach, old school yeah. guy. Does he embrace it or not? And we've talked a little bit about Iowa in the past, where they've had they haven't had a lot of players leave for the portal, so they haven't had to bring in a lot of players from the portal either. Now, if that starts to change, what if Iowa starts to lose players because? Hey, I can go and make NIL somewhere else. Existing players, not just high school recruits, but an existing guy leaves because I can go somewhere else, Nebraska or elsewhere, and make make more money. I mean, then now you got to start playing the game. And, you know, how willing is he to embrace that? I don't know.
1: Yeah, you combine this with the transfer portal and the immediate eligibility, um, one-time immediate eligibility rule. And you, you can really – it's a free agent market for um, players from uh, lower conferences or other teams that, um, you know, you can, you can draft. And now, Nebraska Ball. Well, let's
2: uh, – Dave, should we move on to Nebraska Ball?
1: Some yeah, absolutely. There's talk? some more tweets of the week here from Nebraska Ball.
2: Yeah, so uh, let's start off with uh, – uh wasn't a surprise that uh, Bryce McGowans did uh, officially put himself into the NBA draft. And here's a, a tweet from Donovan Williams, Lincoln Lincoln kid that uh, went down to Oklahoma State, but uh, is in the transfer portal himself. We'll see what happens there. But uh, he said, go be great, uh, Bryce McGowans. And then uh, speaking of transfer portal and Lincoln kids, Sam Greisel, uh, he was at North Dakota State for the last four years. He uh, tweeted out dreams to reality. There's no place like home. Let's rock Husker Nation committed. So he is back in Lincoln for next year. Uh, also today, we, we learned that Eduardo Andre has put himself into the transfer portal, Dave. So we're starting to kind of get a little bit of an idea of what the roster is immediately looking like. And we also are getting a little bit of an idea of the coaching staff. Uh, Doc Sadler and Matt Abdomassi are both, uh have been both let go from the staff as uh, Hoiberg starts to do his restructuring.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a huge shift, right? I mean, uh, Horberg hasn't coached uh, in college ever without Matt Ebelmassy on his on his bench. Um, he has been essentially his, um, you know, recruiter, player personnel guy this whole time, and the entire you know roster has been built with his connections with AAU and, and high school coaches, uh, et cetera, and so. I mean, it's going to be really intriguing to see how Fred rebuilds this. Um, you know, the the newspaper articles talk about how he's going to try to save the class with uh, Blaze Kiata and uh, um, Ramil Lloyd Jr. and, and others. And it could be really tough. Those are all Abdel Massey guys. It's not impossible, I guess, but I wouldn't say it's likely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they all have other options. Um, but I mean, maybe Fred has had a better. Um, you know, connection with him over the last month or two, and and maybe it's still the right spot. for him. It's going to be really intriguing. It'll be intriguing to see see who he brings in uh, onto his coaching staff. It's also intriguing that uh, who who's stayed, right? Um, because it's, Gates is still here, is that right? And
2: we haven't heard any move, movement yeah. from Gates. That was the most
1: obvious we- one, I would feel like, but maybe not.
2: I don't know. It's well, his brother, I think, is he coaches at Missouri, if if I remember right. And there there was some thought that he might make the move to to go coach with his brother. I think it's at Missouri. I could be wrong. I don't there, know about
1: Missouri, but I think that's the right storyline. His brother is yeah. was going to be a power five head coach. Um, and it was like, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then what players end up coming back? Uh,
2: you know, we've talked about Walker. We think, you know, good chance that he's going to come back. Um, you know, does Trey, you know, we didn't think Bryce would, but would Trey be able to come back? I mean, that's, um, and then Wilcher's, uh, you know, an important piece of this. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure that he's probably going to be back next year. So there's, and then getting guys like, uh, is it Breidenbach, the, the freshman, getting him yep, healthy and I'm getting sure. him back, you know, so, um, you know, there is a bit of a core of a team that we can bring back, which is important. We just can't keep completely flipping an entire roster over from scratch every single year and think that we're going to have any kind of success. But, Boomer, anything on basketball from the, <laughs> from the stands?
3: No, uh nothing yet. No, everyone was kinda of still talking in IL, but yeah, so it was a it was a rapid shift. They'll get they'll catch you on it. So yeah I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I didn't even know Nebraska
4: had a center on their team, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well we don't play like we
4: have one. It's it's a, it's a five Rob, out system, Rob. Walker you know. Walker was the closest thing to a center I thought we had on there, so yep. yeah, that's right.
2: Well, you know, we're not going to be, you know, talking a lot more Nebraska ball probably in the, the next few shows. So this is kind of closes Junior. out the season a little bit and, and, uh, yeah. And then, but I mean, the next thing is within the next week or so, I'm, I'm sure we're going to start hearing new coaches being hired and transfer portal wise. Do we have any like timelines? Like when do we, when do we think we're going to have a, a more finalized roster in place? I mean, is that something that can go deep into the summer or,
1: you know, in the next yeah, couple of weeks, yeah, it, it? it can go pretty deep. I don't know the exact schedule, but it's very different than football, where you have a, just a few signing periods. It, it's much more wide open, um, and so yeah, I, I don't have a good answer on that one. I think it's pretty fluid, though.
2: Okay, right. so whoever we end up hiring, I'm sure they're also going to have some players, just like Abdul Massey would. I'm sure the new coaches that would come in would also have some connections and be bringing in some of their own guys. And yeah, that might yeah, be a I mean, the you concern
1: feel there, obviously, with any but any coach you bring in is, I mean, they're going to come in for that coach. You, you're going to have to trust, you know, there's got to be a trust factor between Fred and the new coach mm-hmm. that that, is, that fit is going to work, all those things. I mean, there's a lot of work to get done um, to put together a roster that we think could be even remotely competitive in the Big 10 next year. I mean, I mean they had nine teams in the tournament this year as we know. Well, that that we're going to get to that in a second. What how
2: important though, Dave, do you think it is to get a coach like at least one assistant coach? I guess Gates came from Northwestern. He was there for like a season or so if I remember right. But how important is it that we get one of these assistants that would have Big 10 experience?
1: It's a good question. I mean, on the surface you'd say that sure wouldn't hurt. Um, to understand what it's going to take to win in this league. Um, I mean, he did have something like Duck Sadler, who did coach in the league. I mean, it wasn't extensive, but I mean, one year is enough to figure out what you have to do to win in the Big Ten. And Gates was already there, too. Um, so it's still a little surprising that they haven't been able to put that together. But I, I would say that's a, a, probably a clear advantage for uh, any assistant coach candidate. Hey, Boomer. There's another
4: question from Ken McCone on there about, uh, will Fred focus on not letting the best players get in Nebraska get away, or will he keep recruiting hired guns who can't shoot worth a blank? And <laughs> and Dave, actually, I think you'll have the best answer for this because this is one of the things that that we've talked about a hundred times. But I mean, he brings in these guys and they can all shoot. I mean, they if they're transfers, things like that. He's bringing them in because they can shoot. That's his. That's his. You know, mo right? Like being able to hit those outside shots and then what happens when they get to Nebraska
1: yeah I mean statistically speaking they should be good shooters they they are shot well wherever they're at whether that was in high school a juco or some other division one program and then they or, or, or another country <laughs> and then they <laughs> come here and they can't hit the broadside of a barn so or- I, I don't know why that is but do we need I like better backdrops
4: to... maybe like in the arena? <laughs> like you know is it is it the shooter's eye something's off with that because you know there's some arenas like Steph Curry right he has problems in Madison Square Garden every year like
1: and in, and in, sometimes well, she had problems you know, everywhere else too yeah, but right. that's the point um
2: or you get Teddy Buckets who is making everything you know at uh at the Juco level comes to Nebraska can't hit anything and then goes to New Mexico State and takes him to the second round well he a... couldn't
4: he couldn't hit anything the other night so that's his yeah. that's his thing is he's either well, on he, or yeah he had
1: 37 off. and then he you know goes cold yeah. right and yeah he, and he had the last game he played in Nebraska he had what 30 39 40, or something like 40 I thought maybe yeah, I 40. thought it was like you 42 or 43 years or one one point short of the record is that right yeah, yeah. I still had the had the record but I think that Ken's point is is about Nebraska players getting away I mean we got to start winning I mean
0: yeah
1: and I mean I, you know it's a chicken egg thing there a little bit right you know but I mean uh you know I mean Chucky Hepburn gets recruited to Wisconsin and he goes off and plays in a top 10 team that's a uh, You know, highly seeded conference, you know, uh, uh, Big Ten team that wins a share of the conference. Um, Isaac Trout is getting recruited by a national championship coach. I mean, I mean, you just got to start winning and then you're going to have better luck at getting those guys. You'd like to think that they want to play at home at Nebraska. But I mean, they don't. I mean,
2: you know. Well, there has to be, yeah, you have to show them something on the court too. And it's not just NIL, you know, there has to be more than just that to, to track these kids. Salas going to Gonzaga. You have obviously Creighton's uh, gotten a couple kids now, you know, in the last few years yep. too. And, and, uh, but I think getting Sam Greisel back, it's interesting that that's, you know, the first domino on the, to fall with the roster for next year. And that's a Lincoln East kid coming back from North Dakota state where he was, you know, uh, an all summit league level player. And then Donovan Williams, I'm just curious. I don't know. Maybe I'm making something out of nothing, but uh, you know, he was committed to Tim miles and then decommitted when basically Teddy Allen committed. So it, it yep, felt like man. a swap one for one. And uh Donovan Williams ended up going down to Oklahoma state and playing there for two years. And now he's in the portal too. Maybe we can get him back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We talked about Big Ten play and what it was going to take to have success in the Big Ten. But uh, we also had a few more tweets in the week that are specific to Big Ten in the NCAA. And we are – sometimes I think Boomer and I uh, running the account, we we troll (laughs) some of the other schools just because our teams haven't been very good. I get it. But um, the Big Ten, man, I mean, we get nine teams in this year. And last year, whatever it was, eight or nine and we can barely get teams into the, to the second week. And so uh, we were struggling as a conference. And here's Mike Farrell. If Purdue doesn't win the big 10, should lose all bursts next year. The conference has been awful Uh, inside the hall, which I think is a Indiana uh, show. uh, Kevin Warren needs to get to figuring out why the big 10 keeps underachieving in March. Today has been a complete disaster for the league. And then Dennis Schuette with uh, the Saturday traditions, he said big 10 regular season versus big 10 in the March madness. And there's some cartoons that I don't understand. That's I'm, from Space Jam. from Space Jam. There Game. you go. Oh, all right. Well, Very good. <laughs> go.
3: and it's a Police like, Academy movie, so you haven't seen it. That's okay. I thought maybe it was Star Wars or
2: something. I, I'm terrible. With that stuff. You know that. Um, Dave, I came down to Denver last weekend. We hung out, had a great time. Yeah. We watched a lot of basketball. Rob. With, I, Rob yes, with Rob. With Rob. Rob was with us, too. <laughs> not, not, I'm not neglecting you, Rob. Um, we had a great weekend. Watched a lot of basketball. To all those tweets, points there. Um, the Big Ten's had a rough go at it, and I don't know why. I mean, look, I, again, I control them, but obviously Nebraska's not in it. Uh, why? What is going on? Why? Is it just the refing? You, you hear a lot about that, but is it... Sure, sure.
1: I mean, like, it's interesting. I can't remember who had the series of tweets. Maybe you guys saw this as well, that they were um, kind of dissecting the Big Ten tournament, and and, you know, it, it is the last tournament, essentially, before Selection Sunday, and maybe... Maybe they should change that because, mm. like, you know, maybe the the some of the best teams are are too tired because they played late on Saturday and then Sunday, and they have to turn around and play again on Thursday or something like that. I don't know, uh, but the the data was saying, well, actually, I mean, like a fair amount of the Big Ten tournament champions have done fine um, in the tournament over the last several decades, um, so they they didn't seem to have any statistical data backing up that that theory that we should end the tourney earlier um i do think there's probably a lot more evidence to the fact that i mean like the big 10 promotes a different brand of basketball within the conference and the refs allow a lot more physical play to occur in conference games that directly impacts someone like fred hoiberg who likes freedom of movement in his offensive system um and it doesn't 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 play well to, to his his goals of scoring a lot of points, um, and ultimately sometimes that can work in in regular season play, but then once you get to the to NCAA tournament, NCAA refs are are tighter on that, and ultimately the Big Ten teams are at disadvantage, right? Um, because there is more freedom of movement, there's more calls uh, uh, on on big 10 teams and that impacts their, their performance. I mean, like, you know, I would say this year, I mean, a lot of this is being made out of, out of no, no one thought we were going to get nine teams in this year, last year, everybody thought big 10 basketball was really good. There were some really high seat, seated teams and they're expected to have a, a great tournament. We got nine in this year, but keep in mind that that included Rutgers uh, Indiana, Indiana, and Indiana's play-ins, right? So mm. literally, they are on the cusp. You take those two out, we're down to seven. Um it's a very different. That's, you know, still, a of, that's still, still a large number. That's still a large number, but we also have fourteen teams that all play competitive basketball here um and, and are, are trying to win so i mean i just like i mean like the play-in thing tilts that a little bit you know I, I think in the numbers wise
4: i i agree with you too dave actually on on that as well as as far as the style of play goes because it is it's a lot of you know bang them under the basket type of play like that's why we talked about like you know walker you know i'm, I'm a big fan of walker because i like the way he plays under the basket that's a big 10 style of basketball and you know, a lot of these teams that they were losing to were able to just get out. And break. I mean, it was it, the big joke during the Wisconsin game this week, right? Like, take the under because I think the over on that was like 135, right? Which is yeah, yeah. It, barely got to and, <laughs> and it barely got to 100, and it barely got it barely got to 100. They even said it like in the first five minutes of the game. They said, "Well, folks, mm-hmm. if you took the under on this, you might as well go cash that check now." And I mean, <laughs> then it became a joke. Like by the time the second half started, his first team to 40 is going to win, and sure enough, first team to 40 did win. Um, You know, Wisconsin lost that game, but it's just such a slow, I mean, you almost feel like they're trying to play kind of like the Hoosier style of basketball where no shot clock anymore. You know what I mean? It's just so slow it's pass, 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 mm-hmm. take the, take the, the, you know, take, take the, the shot from inside the arc or whatever. I, I don't know. It just, it just feels like such a slow down pace of play. And all you need is one team that's in better shape and can run the ball faster and, you know, outscore them by 10 15 points in that cuz it's not Big 10 basketball. And it's and uh you saw it a lot. I mean, what do they have left now? Two teams? Is it
1: two teams? Purdue, Purdue team.
4: and Michigan, right? And Michigan yeah. was mm-hmm. a team where nobody even thought they belonged. And the, here they are. Yeah.
1: Preseason like, they were expected for, Well, preseason they
4: were and then they lost to Arizona. Um and then um yeah, but sorry, I had to throw that in there. But yeah, I mean, preseason they were ranked and then they they fell off the map and then a lot of people thought they shouldn't have even made it after the howard incident right so then like it's just i don't know it's the big tens a huge enigma in, in the tournament every year and give them four top teams and and leave it at that every year from well, now on
2: because dave you're a north carolina fan you're happy right
1: yeah i mean it, it got a little bit sketchy there you you left it about halftime i believe and you're yeah. like oh carolina's got this uh, Carolina was up on Baylor at halftime around 14-15 points. They actually extended that lead to 25, I believe. And Brady Manick, who was an OU transfer and was just hitting everything, um, gets uh, kicked out of the game with a, a questionable flagrant two. It's definitely a flagrant one. I, I feel the flagrant two was a little bit too That was a ridiculous. Call. Call. That was a ridiculous. And um they changed the, the the game ended up going into overtime, but Baylor expended so much energy to get back in that game. Um, outscoring Carolina, I think 38 to 13 um, in the last 10 minutes uh, that they lost in overtime. So I'll take the Sweet 16, and that bracket's wide open. I, I don't know if you've looked at your brackets at all, but I mean, both Baylor and Kentucky are out of that. So it's just it's Carolina, it's UCLA, it's Purdue, um, and and St. Peter's. So the, I mean, back to Big Ten, right? Because I know we're not a, a Carolina basketball podcast. I mean, we are all just saying, oh, it's a disaster for the Big Ten, but I mean, Purdue should be the favorite to make the final four out of that, right? So, I mean, does that change the perspective if somehow uh, Purdue and Michigan make the final four and you have two of the last four? Mm. Sure, right? You know, so it's yeah, still got a ways to go.
2: The SEC struggled up to this point, too. We're not the only conference. Yeah. And I, I guess when you have more teams in, you're going to have more teams out. I, I will say that. Uh, I, and I, I legitimately thought Iowa was going to go deep. I don't know that I thought they'd win it all, even though I had them winning my entire. You bracket. lost a
1: significant uh, free bet on on I, Iowa.
2: I did. I yeah, free bet that I could have done. By and the way, we were sports- watching
1: that game in
4: an Iowa bar. All right, yeah. that was and that was probably the most satisfied I've been watching sports since twenty twenty. I think that yeah, was so probably, and, and I was really good. I didn't say a thing in the bar, man. All I, I just, God, I just had a big smile on my face watching that. It, it, was, oh, it was such a, beauty. Yeah,
2: Dave was getting me on to all the, the, the sports apps, uh, the betting apps out there while I was in Colorado and it was a ton of fun. And, and yeah, you get all these free bets and these, you know, they're trying to build <laughs> one of them. They give you 50 bucks and you, and you automatically get 50 extra. So all I, I had to pay 50 and I got an extra 50 and then I just cashed out. So I walked home with a hundred from that. I was like, "That was easy," but I don't think that was their intention. But um, anyways, (laughs) one one of them was pick a pick any game, and I picked Iowa just to win. And if they win the first game, then I would get two hundred dollars of free bets. And it was like the next game. I didn't want to wait for some. It was like,
1: "Are you sure you want to take Iowa hockey?" And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Come on, it's Richmond. Whatever, they've got this."
2: Well, honky,
4: what was your quote after that game? I losing 50 bucks was totally worth it. Uh, <laughs> <That was> probably- <laughs> you you looked at me and you said that, but you kind of kept your voice down. Cause again, we're sitting in sports column, which if people don't know sports column is a bar in Denver, it's a sports bar in Denver. That's an Iowa bar, but they also yeah. have one in, um, uh, like right next to the Iowa, it's campus. in Iowa
1: City. Yeah. yeah oh, in is Iowa, in Iowa. Oh, is that why? Is that what yeah. that is? Oh, okay. Yeah.
4: So they have a they have a bar in Iowa City, and then they have the bar in Denver because Denver has a huge Iowa contingency here too. Mm-hmm. So,
2: so Redcasters, this is something we've talked about this in the past, but um, during football season, and Dave, I'm planning to do it again next year or this this upcoming season. There is, it's one of the most unique settings in the country is is Lodo area of Denver that that downtown area where. I don't know. I've heard like Manhattan and maybe like Wrigleyville are similar to where you have a lot of transplants yeah. all in one spot, and so you have all of these viewing sites of like every team. Like we could literally go from bar to bar to bar. There's the Wisconsin bar right next to the the Iowa one, right and, and they're all like they're all so well themed. So you know, you go to a Nebraska bar and they're they're handing out runses. But we've been to the swamp and the Rockies, and and you know the yep. Gators That's are right. doing the doing that and and you go and we've had cheese curds and do we've done jump around it's one of the neatest settings and uh i I try to do it every year and and we'll always do it i mean we it feels like you're tailgating in each you know each town of 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 the each school and um you know 15 16 bars later at the end of the day it's (laughs) (laughs) you feel like you do after a, a good tailgate but it's, it's always a lot of
4: fun right. that's that's how dave introduced me too like when i started going and watching uh, nebraska games at, at a actually the giggling grizzly down in denver right like we used to go watch those on saturdays right. uh with you and you and your wife katie and myself and and uh then after the game like one of the traditions was dave would find like whoever we played in the big 10 or i think even the big 12 they were still yeah. in the big 12 when we first started dave would say okay um, you know, let's go over to this bar and talk with the fans and just, you know, tell them great job, whatever, win or lose. Like it was, you know, and that was like, it was like disrespecting. And the funny thing is, is this bar that we'd watched, it was a Nebraska bar, but it was also a Michigan state bar. So sometimes you'd be getting like go big reds on one side of the bar and go, go white, go green on the other side of the bar. And it's not that big of a bar, but it was always a friendly environment. And that's the cool thing about Denver 99% of the time is, that's just how it is you know you can go and and after the game you can go shake hands with fans of the other team and all that so and that was fun to do on on uh thursday last thursday too so it was one of the slower st patrick's days but
1: yeah yeah, i had a great time hanging
4: out with you guys that was fun
1: thanks rob (laughs) and now around the van horn
2: what do you think should we talk a little baseball here
1: Around the Van Horn, let's talk about all things Husker baseball, including a, another uh, debilitating weekend where um, after a 21-4 shellacking to the Islanders of, uh, what is it, University of Texas? Corpus, Christi, Corpus Christi. Christi, or Community, Community College,
3: as some people thought it was on, mm, on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Which actually mm-hmm. is on
1: an island, actually, that Rob has actually visited. Um, and they uh they only took two of three because we were able to beat them. What was the, the final score 13 to 12 or something like that? Yeah, in the game we did win, yeah. Um, not a not a pretty week, and um, we really well, need to well, figure they won, out
4: that. they won what four in a row, didn't they? And then and then got blown out the next two days.
2: Well, yeah, they beat Omaha once and then they had the, the sweep against uh New Mexico State and then they... won the first game, yeah, there, yeah, but so. yeah
4: but they're they're starting pitching has just been for lack of a better word it's pretty much been trashed the entire season and you know you put yourself in a hole in baseball like that and you're just digging to get out the entire time it's it's not a recipe for success period mm. well and dave they,
2: we we have a tweets of the week for for baseball too and Nebraska baseball coach was in a dark will bolt was in a dark mood after this one uh, has he ever been part of a game like that in his coaching career bolt said no never nope and that's in reference to Sunday's game three 24 21 to four loss uh right. this is what cam uh, chick the captain had to say about it as a
3: captain how i surprised were he
2: with how did were? uh yes yeah, this, this was a bad one um probably one of the most embarrassing
4: ones i've been a part of uh nothing went our way and we didn't help ourselves out when we needed to the most uh we we're making the plays holding the hits uh, we had runners on we couldn't get them in um Anything that went wrong did go wrong for us. And, um, as a captain, you kind of just got to go out there and lead by example and lead, but um, all of
2: us from top to bottom, we just got to do a lot better than that because that was just embarrassing. So that was Cam Chick talking with the rifle practice going on in the background apparently.
1: Yeah, what was going on in the background there? <laughs> that, was, that was catch. That was the sound of the
4: ball hitting the glove, they which is something that up. the defense is having a hard time doing. <laughs> to that so we wouldn't recognize that sound very much but yeah that was the sound of a pitch hitting the the leather glove i so don't know of, our pitching our pitch they they're really good at pitching and practice apparently but not in the games and and you know what they don't i i was way more positive going into the season and i'll i'll eat my hat on that too i was like give them time give them time but right now
1: man i if they yeah well Rob, right, to that right. point i mean i think This weekend is where you you know have to figure out how they could turn the corner, right? If they're going to do it, it needs to start uh, this Mm -hmm. weekend at home versus probably you know the the other top echelon program in the Big Ten, which is Michigan. Yeah, because their game
4: tomorrow was canceled
1: because of weather. Right. I'm just saying, like, I mean, regardless, now, I mean, the, the idea of like hosting a regional. All those things are out the door, guys. It's it's not that's not going to happen. Now you just no. got to figure out how can you make the NCAA tournament, and you do that by winning the Big Ten, right? Whether that's regular season or ultimately the conference tournament, um, that's how you're going to get in um, or finish very close to the top with a really good record, right? And because they're just not going to have the non-conference wins and the resume to do it else otherwise, right? So start this weekend if you can somehow win two of three versus Michigan at home, um, and then you just start, you know, knocking off wins from there. But they they got to figure out how to how to keep the scores within range and then have better clutch hitting. You know. Yeah, it's uh, get those bats going, boys.
3: Yeah, and this is kind of just an important ga- series, too. I mean, because some of the other teams that had good off-seasons, like uh, Maryland and Purdue, I don't even think they're scheduled. Do we even play them in the Big Ten this year?
1: Yeah, I, uh, it does not sound... I don't familiar, think we do, if I remember right. So,
3: the... you know, it's you don't have a whole lot of room to make up ground on those kind of teams just from an overall yeah. record but, perspective. So, yeah.
1: But right now, though, I mean, from a conference perspective, is a fresh start, right? I mean, that doesn't count.
3: No, it doesn't. Um, but you know, if you wanted to look good and get get quality wins of some sort, yeah, those those would have been chances to do it. And we right. don't even have those. So yeah, right. it's it. So but Michigan, yeah, this is a important weekend. So just like you said, if you got to turn it around, it starts here. Otherwise, it could be a a long long conference season. I think for baseball.
2: Yep. Yeah, I'm seeing Maryland's number twenty one. I think right now in the the polls, is that and the Baseball America one. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's about it for the Big Ten. I don't know if
3: we still so does it even make sense why we don't can't play everybody in
1: the Big Ten in baseball. That just yeah, that just seems really 24. odd to me. I never understood that. For a lot of other conferences have twenty seven or even thirty, um, so we should at least have a, a couple more. I think the the reasoning behind that boomer for years was that you know there was not enough depth in the conference that actually you're lowering your your rpi by playing a lot of conference games and so um they would have more non-conference road games that would actually help them out so i mean i think i think that could be changing and maybe we could justify at least another weekend series well at yeah. least they have a winning record
4: at home so maybe you know if we can get a bunch of home games right they're four and two at home right now so you know and and Maybe that maybe that's what it's gonna take here is just play a bunch of home games, right? They play uh well as far as I know,
1: Rob, they'll probably have twelve Big Ten home games and twelve Big Ten road games. That's usually yeah, so, how it works. So,
4: well yeah, but you know, hey, if they can go, you know, what, ten and two at home and then, you know, go go five hundred on the road. Well, know. here's here's the schedule. No, we have no, Michigan. We have a series
2: 100. with Michigan at home this weekend. We have a one game at Creighton. Series at Ohio State. Game at o- o- Omaha in the middle of the week. Uh, at home against Rutgers for a series. Then another Creighton game. We do play a series against BYU in uh, a four game series against BYU in Lincoln, North Dakota State. A one gamer three games at Indiana, Kansas State, Omaha home one game each. Iowa. Home series, uh, away series at Minnesota, at Illinois series, one game against Oral Roberts, and then Michigan State home series. Um, to that point, we're not. Doesn't look like we have, uh, you know, Maryland on on the schedule. I don't know. I mean, we
1: just got to win games no matter what. But uh, yeah, that's my point here, I guess, guys. Is like, I mean, we we're saying like, oh, we're not going to get goal, who wins. They, play. they just need right. to win. Yeah, they just need to win. And then, I mean, you finish as high in the conference as you possibly can. And you may have to, if you don't win the conference with that, you may have to go win the conference tournament. I mean, so, I mean, just that, that regardless of if Purdue or Maryland, who apparently have the two best non-conference records are on the schedule or not, um, it doesn't matter. Go win as many of these 24 Big Ten games as you can and, and take it from there. Sage advice right there. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> drop them. Just drop the mic. Just drop. Well, hopefully you're listening. Just win as many as you can. All right. Let's, uh, let's change it up this week and uh, let's do, uh, let's start with Redcast Rob.
4: I mean, my only parting shot is that the stickers came in. We've got some great t-shirts that we're either going to be uh, selling, maybe giving away here coming up real soon. So when um, I'm in town for the spring game, find our tailgate we're either going to be setting one up or you know trying to set one up with with some people that are already tailgating um you know and and you know come hang out for a little bit and you know enjoy some time with the redcast it's a you know it's a spring game so it's a nebraska football game that we can't lose and then uh, afterwards i think Honky and I are going to head over to haymarket and watch the baseball team as as we were just talking about with uh, against rutgers so we'd uh love to just kind of hang out and 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 Shoot the stuff, I'll say, because this is a kid-friendly show, and uh, you know, see all you Redcasters out there.
2: Yeah, Redcasters, uh, it, it, you know, reach out to Redcast Rob or, or might or to the to the Redcast account on Twitter or or go big Redcast at Gmail. If you guys are coming down for Spring Game, we still are kind of we don't we want to do something. We don't know exactly what that is yet. We want to tailgate somewhere, and and uh, maybe we can tailgate with with one of you have a uh, have it be the Redgate the Redcast uh, tailgating. Uh, you know, home there. So, and I know we're going to do a, a rapid reaction after the game too, Rob, uh, like we did last year. So we'll do a rapid reaction after the spring game, but it uh, should be a fun weekend.
4: Yeah. And I, I, like I said, if you're having a tailgate and it's something that you do traditionally around the spring game, let us know. Cause maybe we'll just come join you.
1: Yeah. we love to drink your beer. So yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and I won't
4: even drink your
3: beer
1: cause I don't drink anymore. So. <laughs> You go. Boomer, I think we may start a, a new over/under. Of how long Redcast Rob's parting take is?
3: Yeah, that was pretty impressive there too. And that yeah. was theoretically just one take, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. It call, one you call take, it honky-ish. Is that
1: is that? Is well,
3: that he right. goes for uh, quantity, you know. Yeah, just yeah. sheer number of hot takes. This was just one long hot take. So. I prefer to call it yeah. quality. I, I
1: wanted to do honky last, so there was more <laughs> more action on the three and a half to see if we could actually move the line. Um Boomer, let's have you.
3: Uh, Well, just a couple quick ones. Uh, Listener Ken was asking what I was drinking tonight, and uh, like Rob, um, for Lent, I've uh, sworn off uh, liquor for for the Lenten season. So this is uh, just a mocktail. I don't have a name for it yet, but it's uh, muddled some basil and honey together with a bit of pineapple juice topped with uh, ginger beer and add some cherries and berries to it. So if anyone has a name for it, feel free to throw it in there, and I suppose once Lent's over, you can throw some rum in there and have something just gonna say, boomer? Yeah.
2: What would, yeah, what, what alcohol would you throw into it to make it? Is it rum? Probably rum or
3: vodka would be pretty tasty in there. Uh, well, once that's all over, but, uh, just call it the Red Cast Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah so. the letting boomer. Interface. Yeah, that, that works too. Mm, so, nice. yep. And uh, also looking forward to the uh, interview with Tyler Kai so he can give us a full breakdown of uh, the plans for a jumbo steam statue and uh, they're <laughs> putting up for uh uh Baron Von Raschke for the Husker Hall of Fame so I hope Tyler I'm knows looking forward to those answers into. we are, we are go, literally
4: Rocky. we actually are literally going to ask him about the Jumbo Steen
3: statue
1: tomorrow Yep yeah, we that's, need that and, on the list and of Baron questions. Von Raschke
3: in there rob so I'll I'll send you all the info so Thank you yeah please but.
1: do All right Honk. get us out of here All
2: right, I I just I have two almost kind of somber ones but they're uh, one is uh, our prayers. They, they go out to Husker. Great Adam Carriker. Uh, he announced uh, this week on those Carriker Chronicles that he's having heart surgery, which I believe he had this morning. So I uh, just, uh, Adam, just want you to know red cast nation. We're 100% behind you. We hope you have a quick and uh, complete recovery. And the other one was Dave, you mentioned, I, I left the Denver a little early uh, during the UNC game on, on Saturday and I was heading over to a buddy's house in Northwest Iowa. And I, um, Oh, well, this is interesting how this looks. I didn't think that would go over us like that. But anyways, uh, I took a, a photo. I was driving to Goodland, Kansas and I was like, well, this is where, where Brooke Maringer's it, was buried. And I was like, well, I, I want to go over and just pay our respects. And, and, uh, there's photo there of that. And, um, there's, you know, they put up Husker stuff around it and everything. It's, it's a neat little tribute that they have there. And it just got me thinking, I mean, the, one of the all time greats unbeaten, obviously that was the the BTN special that they did on him, And, uh, uh, it was just kind. Of, it was kind of a touching moment, I guess, to just driving through there and, and wanted to stop and and give our best regards there. So that's absolutely
1: that. very cool, Honk. Huh? Glad you were able to do that. All right, guys, uh, fun show, enjoyed it. Looking forward to the interview with uh, Tyler here tomorrow. Uh, for now, let's call that a go big redcast. Go big red. GBR.
0: A Huda Media Production.